Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with this message entitled, Living in the Present by Faith. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we count it a great joy to come to the altar and worship God. And we come with a gift ourselves. And we offer it on the altar as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to our triune God. We count it a great privilege to be called children of God. We count it a great privilege to serve our God by our life. And we call you our joy, our delight. Apart from you, we desire nothing. Therefore, O God, focus our attention upon you and upon your word, upon your grace, upon your power, upon your holiness, upon your compassion. Fill our heart with yourself. Drive out all idols. May we love you with a single heart. With a single mind. Because you do not appreciate when we serve two masters. Deliver us, O Lord, from devaluing you and bringing you down. We worship and serve the true and living God. The only God. So bless your people, O God. We need your help. Help the needy. Help the poor. Help the miserable. Help the fearful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We want to speak to you about Noah. His life of faith. Three things from verse 7 of Hebrews 11. The faith of Noah, the work of Noah, the justification of Noah. Noah is given at least four chapters in Genesis. Genesis 6 and 7, 8 and 9. About 97 verses. But the writer to the Hebrews gives him one verse. And in Genesis account there is no reference, no reference is made To the faith of Noah. In fact the word faith does not appear in Genesis. Yet Noah's life was characterized by obedience to God. He lived by obedience to God's revelation. To his forefathers and revelation given to him personally. That was the Bible. The spoken word of God. Noah was the last in the godly line of Adam through Seth. When Noah was born, six of his ancestors were living. Enosh, Canaan, Mahalel, Jared, Methuselah, and Lamech. And they all died before the flood that destroyed completely the antediluvian people. But we are told in chapter 6 and verse 8 of Genesis, Noah 
found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah alone found grace in the eyes of the Lord. A grace that justified him. And so we are told that Noah was righteous in his life. He was blameless in his dealings with other people. And we are told that he, like Enoch, walked with God in holy communion. And he obeyed God in all God's commandments. Chapter 622 and 7.5. He was a believer. How do we know? Because he obeyed God in his generation. I want to tell you, faith without obedience is dead faith. Faith without obedience is devil's faith. Faith without obedience is destined to the destruction of being cast into the lake of fire. The destiny of the devil. And you may think you are a Christian, but if you don't obey God, your faith is dead. So the first point is the faith of Noah. We are told in chapter 11 verse 7, by faith, Noah. So the author of Hebrews says, Noah, the name means rest or comfort, lived by faith. And we are told in verse 6 of 11, the chapter of Hebrews, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to be saved from sin. And we know Noah pleased to God. And Noah was saved from death. Noah obeyed God. I say Noah lived by faith. A conclusion the writer of Hebrews arrives at. Noah lived by faith in God. True God. Only God. He lived by faith in his objective word. A child who believes in the father obeys the father's word. He lived by faith in God who created the universe out of nothing. He was told about that by his forefathers. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we are told about that in 11th chapter of Hebrews verse 3. He believed in God who is holy. He believed in God who hated sin. He believed in God who communicated his will to man. How man should live. He himself was a sinner. He repented of his sins and trusted in the Messiah who would come to save sinners. He worshipped God by offering bloody sacrifices per his instruction. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20 and 21. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. He understood without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. He did not believe in a God of his mind's creation. He did not believe in a God based on probability. He believed in God who revealed himself to his fathers and to himself. He lived by faith and we are told faith comes by hearing of God's word. And we are told that he stood alone living by faith. But all else 
in enmity, lived in enmity toward God. Turn with me to chapter 6 of Genesis and verse 5, a description of the wicked generation in which Noah lived. Genesis 6 verse 5, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. All the time. Total inability, moral inability, perversiveness of sin, implication of the fall, wickedness, rebellion, enmity toward a good and holy God. Chapter 6 of Genesis beginning with verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence, lawlessness. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. And in the midst of this corrupt generation, one person stood alone, loving God, serving God, believing in God. Noah lived by faith. Also in a specific revelation that God gave to him personally. And what was that revelation? That God in 120 years would destroy all peoples of the world by a flood. We are told this by faith Noah having been warned of things not yet seen. When warned about it was a specific oracle, communication, direction from God. And we read elsewhere such communication, oracles of God. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned the same word when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. God's specific and directive communication. And you read again, if you turn to the Gospel of Matthew, such communication coming to the Magi. Chapter 2 of Matthew, verse 12. And having been warned in a dream. Not to go back to Herod. They returned to their country by another route. God giving a specific communication for you to live by. Or Matthew 12, verse 22. God gave a specific oracle to Joseph. The legal father of Jesus. And we read, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. Or turn with me to Hebrews 12 and verse 25. A warning given to us in this book. See to it, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth. How much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. And we are warned. 
not by some personal communication, but by the entire body of revelation given to us in the scripture. It is God's oracle that you govern yourself in the light of God's communication, infallible communication. All scripture is God-breathed, God-spoken, and is profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. One aim. By faith, Moses, when he was warned of things not yet seen. What do you think that was, Mr. Nakamura? The flood, the universal flood that will destroy every wicked person of that generation. That the warning consisted of that as well as the instruction. As we read in Genesis 6, 6 verse 14 and following the instruction to build an ark. Faith is faith in God's revelation given orally or now in written form. And Jesus Christ himself lived by faith. He said, it stands written. God's authoritative word. And I am God's son and I honor him by doing the will of God revealed to us in the written word. This is where Eve failed. Eve should have said to Satan, it is spoken and it's, it's authoritative. And I stand under God's spoken oracle. But she didn't say that. Noah did not act on the basis of a hunch. He acted on the basis of God's objective word. Which is still the authority for all. And particularly for us, God's people. He was given a revelation, a warning concerning things not yet seen, things of distant future. 120 years into the future. And we would have said, that's all right, but I don't have to worry about right now. It's way out there. Maybe I will start doing later on, after a century or so. So in those days, people lived a long time. He himself lived 950 years. And the communication came to him at his 480th year that there will be a flood in 600th year of his life. That's not what he did. He moved with fear right away. Right away, sir. In fact, in the Greek text, warning and obedience was coincident and simultaneous. Immediate, exact, and glad obedience, sir. That is what is required if you and I claim to be God's children. Delay and denial are not part of true faith by which we live. And the revelation had to do with something unprecedented. Something quote unquote unreasonable. It was without any historical analogy. And not only that, no flood ever took place so far in history. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 6. And I'll read from verse 4. When the Lord made the earth and the heavens and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth and no plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent Rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth 
and watered the whole surface of the ground. No flood, ever. And we are told, Noah is told there is going to be a flood 120 years into the future that will flood the whole earth, inhabited earth, and will destroy all wicked people. And he was told this in his 480th year that a flood that would destroy all peoples except Noah and family would take place in his 600th year of his life. And he was told to build a boat with specific instruction with gopher wood and caulk it with pitch, put one door and put window and all that, three decks. Talking about 450 feet in length, 75 feet in width and 45 feet in height, about 96,000 square feet of decks area. And without an anchor, without mast or sail, without steering wheel, a ship certainly much, much larger than Santa Maria or Nina or Pinta, Columbus sailed. And it was to be built on dry land, a landlocked area. Unreasonable. Unprecedented. Without historical analogy. Point number two, Noah obeyed the obedience, the work of Noah. Noah, when he was warned of things not yet seen, moved with fear. With anxiety, with godly earnestness, built the ark. As soon as he was told to do, he was moved with fear, built the ark. So when you read the Hebrew text in Exodus 6, there is only one command that is given in 6.14 to build the ark. And he did it. To do something unprecedented, unreasonable. He began to build immediately. Faith has its reason, sir. You know, faith has its reason. And faith's reason is the infinite personal God behind the word. God who created the whole universe out of nothing. And sustains the universe by his word. Abraham was given also an oracle, a revelation by God, the true God, in the middle of the night. He said, I want you to take your son, your only son, the son whom you love, Isaac. Kill him and sacrifice him to God in demonstration of his surpassing love for God. And we are told, Abraham got up very early. And he went and he did it. He also moved in holy fear and did it. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we are given the reason behind this action. And look at verse 19 of Hebrews 11. Abraham reasoned. Sir, faith has reason. And faith's reason is the ability of God to do everything he has promised. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Abraham believed that God is able to raise Isaac from his ashes in order to fulfill his promises. The author of Hebrews gave us a description of faith in Hebrews 11 and verse 1. And in the life of Noah, it is fulfilled literally. And what is that description? Faith sees things future as present and it energizes us now to do the will of God and to live by God's word. Faith gives us substance, platform 
of things hoped for and proof of things not seen. Faith is like a telescope that brings things distant and future to the present and near us that we may be inspired by it to live for God. If this is so, Noah by faith saw the flood taking place, the huge deluge destroying all the wicked people of his generation and he saw himself and his family saved by divine grace. So he lived by faith. He lived building the ark for the salvation of his family. Faith works in the light of God's revelation. It is active faith, not a passive faith. Faith that obeys, faith that works. Faith that avoids sin and faith that seeks to do the will of God earnestly and gladly. Faith without present obedience is dead faith. It is devil's faith. Its destiny is the destiny of the devil. Eternal destruction in the lake of fire. One theologian says if you do not act justly. Then our claim to be justified is mere presumption. And our faith is merely that dead faith of which James speaks a faith that will not justify anyone. Matthew Henry says faith, true faith affects first our affections, then our actions. Noah moved with fear, godly fear. He paid heed to the word, moved with holy fear. When I see people without any reverence, without any holy fear, I see people who have nothing to do with godliness. We are exhorted by St. Paul, a great champion of salvation by sovereign grace. He tells us, work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. A fear that keeps us from sinning, a fear that inspires us to do God's will gladly. Let's look at some scriptures and get some godly fear into our heart. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 and 11. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body whether good or bad. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. St. Paul himself was moved with a holy fear of God and, and lived daily life in complete obedience to the will of God. And what about Jesus Christ? Let's turn to chapter 5 of Hebrews verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with the loud cries and tears. Loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his godly fear, reverent submission. Godly fear, a fear that causes us to stay away from evil and a fear that inspires us to do the will of God. And the word is used in reference to us in Hebrews 12 and verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. You go to churches, there is no reverence. They are entertaining you. Silly churches, I'll speak more about it later on. Turn with me to Psalm 2 and verse 11 and 12 
Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry. And you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. We treat him as a buddy. That is the curse of this generation. Turn with me to 119th Psalm. Our book is coming out on 119th Psalm. 120th verse. Listen. My flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe of your laws. Teenager, where is your fear? Where did you go the other night? You were there gambling all night. I say you have too much money, sir. I don't go gambling. Jesus Christ is my joy and my delight. You didn't fear, son. You took God's money. And you went gambling all night. And you call yourself a Christian. But listen to the saint speaking. My flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe of your loss. Or turn to the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi. That identifies the people of God in that miserable generation as those who feared the Lord. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 14. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among all nations. Malachi 2 verse 5. My covenant was with him a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him this called for fear. And he revered me and stood in awe of my name. In chapter 3, Malachi, verse 5. So I will come near to you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive aliens of justice. But do not fear me. In other words, those who sin are those who do not fear God. And chapter 3, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. And chapter 4 and verse 2. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Godly people are God-fearing people. Godly are those who fear God and anxiously do God's will. Sir, faith has two aspects. An invisible internal aspect. A visible external aspect. The invisible internal aspect. Faith trusts God with with the heart. A faith that affects our affections. Our internal attitude. Energized by my trust in God is veracity. His truthfulness. His unchangeableness. And then it is visible and external. If we trust God with our heart, we do the will of God immediately, exactly, and gladly. Faith works the works of God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Invisible, internal faith is made visible through what we do. 
There's a story in Mark 2, the story of a paralytic. And four people took pity on the paralytic. Four people who believe Jesus Christ is able to heal him and will heal him. This miserable wretch of a man carried him to the house where Jesus was ministering. Took one look and the house is full and the people are standing outside and they, there's... They believed and they said, we are not going to go back. They went to the top of the roof, made a hole, and put him down to the very presence of Jesus. And you could imagine Jesus was removing dust and mud from his head. But it says here, And when he saw the faith, of the people, of these people. Faith is visible, sir. An internal attitude made visible by taking this miserable wretch of a man, dead, dying, miserable, paralytic. But they believed, and all their actions, including digging hole in the roof of somebody's house, it was all faith working. They believed in Jesus. Jesus could heal. And he will heal. So they carried, climbed up, made a hole, lowered, and he was healed. Faith in Jesus Christ scales all walls. So Noah believed in his heart that God is, and he is the savior of those who diligently seek him, who diligently sought him. How? By building the huge ark in a dry land. And while the ark was being built, he preached to all the antediluvian wicked people by two ways, by his deed of building the ark and by his word. God is going to destroy the world in 120 years. He hates evil. His judgment is coming. It is sure to come. Nothing like this happened before. But God will destroy all wicked people. The only way of salvation is repentance and faith in God. Repent, believe God, and join me in worshiping and serving the true and living God. Live a holy life. Then we shall be saved by this ark. And read 1 Peter 3.20 and 2 Peter 2.5. They mocked him. They called him a crazy man, a fool, an unscientific man, a non-materialist, a fool who believes in an infinite personal moral God of judgment. Oh man, there is no judgment, there is no God, there is no morality. Live it up! Eat, drink, and be merry in a few hundred years. We will die. And that's it. 120 years came to an end. And the final week came. God said... In one week the flood will come. But there is no cloud. The sky is still clear. Nothing different. None believed. Even his employees refused to believe. Then the animals came and entered the ark on their own by divine drawing. The people saw it. Yet they refused to come and enter the ark. The last day came. Noah and his family entered. Just eight people. The Lord, we are told, shut the door. Then surely the flood came as God had won 120 years before. Noah was proven right and world was proven wrong. The people came, sir. They could not enter. They climbed on the roof to escape the flood. They climbed on the tree. They climbed on the hills and mountains, but they could not escape God's judgment of flood waters. The wicked mockers all died. But Noah and his family were saved through the flood. Brothers, there is a blessing 
for those who live by faith and those who obey God's word at the end there is a blessing and i was reminded of peter he worked all night caught nothing and in the morning jesus says pull the canoe into the deep waters once again let down the net he said no deal nothing is going to happen sir but at your word i will lower the net and they caught a boat full of fish you know, the ten lepers jesus said go and show to the priests as they went they were healed sir elisha told naaman the syrian general at a leper go to jordan and dip yourself seven times and you'll be healed and he said no deal i'm a big man i'm a powerful man i'm a mighty man i didn't expect this gospel this simple gospel but he was persuaded by the servants and he went and dipped himself seven times and he got up the seventh time and he was healed sir and what must i do to be saved as the simple answer believe on the lord jesus christ and you will be saved and your household the jailer of acts 16 believed and saved the same night noah lived by faith in god's revelation of judgment and salvation he moved with fear and noah's faith worked daily by building the ark and you read 622 and 75 of genesis it says noah obeyed all things god commanded him brothers and sisters jesus christ is king of kings and lord of lords he doesn't beg and plead and cajole he commands all people everywhere to repent don't you believe that you are somebody you need massaging and cajoling he commands you the wages of sin is death the wrath of god is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men and yet god in mercy commands you to repent and be saved and god destroyed the whole antediluvian world of men noah became the ancestor of the people now in the world time is gone and i'll speak this evening about the other part Noah, the righteousness, kata pistin, according to faith. Noah became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Shall we rise, Heavenly Father? Help us not to be a fool. Help us to be a believer. Believing an objective, eternal, infinite, personal, moral God whose revelation is completely true. and now has come in his word in the bible and help us o lord to believe in jesus christ alone for our eternal salvation and help us to demonstrate our justification by sanctification by living by faith it is our obedience to god that proves that we have found grace we have been justified by grace deliver us from delusion of god that salvation means that you can despise god's law a savior without a lord a separation between justification and sanctification deliver us from dead faith the devil's faith help us to truly believe us noah believed and was saved Help us to believe today. Hallelujah. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.
You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of the sermon entitled, Living in the Present by Faith. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthews.